All right, Rebbe, say good morning. Let us begin. Baruch Hashem, to thank all of our sponsors for this morning. Share to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul. Shindy and Avram Kelman for dedicating all the Sherman Drushos this month in honor of the engagement of their son Yechiel to Alana Thalik and in memory of their parents, Jerome and Bernice Kelman and Alexander and Frederica David. To thank Barak, Maya, Sandy Hoffman, Dora Limas, and Avi Malamid for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel. To thank Ayala and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month in Rafur Shalema for Shulamis Bas Susha. Dafyomi for dedicating the Shir this month in the Schosov of Shlema for Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, Jeff and Karen Cohn for dedicating the Shurim this week in commemoration of the yard site of Jeff's mother, Eleanor Cohn, Elka Bas Binyamin Svi Zichron Livracha. And our day of learning sponsor, Alan Wiseman, in memory of his wife, Rita Ruth, Rivka, Rachel Bas Zacharia Zichron Livracha. We open the merit of our Talmud Torah. And the Shemuel have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. And also with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. A beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today's daf is Ayin Ches, 78. But we have a lot to do still on Ayin Zayin base 77b. We left off in the widest lines. In the widest lines, the, the second, the second to last line. I'm sorry, the second line in. Second to last line. Second line into the widest lines. So the says, Remember again, yesterday's death, so we, we ended off with a discussion regarding Ra'ason, which the Gemara identifies as a type of parasite, which embeds itself on the brain membrane. And again, the Gemara described in great detail how one has to be careful with removing that particular that particular parasite. So therefore, Rabbi Yochanan said, Be careful with the flies, with the flies around a person with rasa. Let's remember again, we said yesterday that one of the simonim, one of the signs that a person is afflicted with rasa. Remember again, we had teary eyes, uh, drooling, and flies around the, the individual. So the Gemara said, Be careful with the flies around a person with rasa. For those flies, for those flies, ultimately again could communicate the disease. Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Zera would not sit downwind. Wouldn't sit downwind of someone with ras. Rabbi Lazar, lo aili Rabbi Lazar would not go into the tent of someone ultimately again who had ras. Rabbi Amr, Rabbi Asi, Rabbi Achli, Rabbi Amr, Rabbi Asi would not eat of the eggs. Right, that came out of the same mavoy, the same alleyway that someone with rasan was afflicted. So, says, so all of these rabbanim took different took different measures in order to protect themselves from rasan. Rabbi says, listen to this. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, michrich b'hu. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. At the end of the day, the Gemara says michrich b'hu. Rabbi says, what does michrich b'hu mean? If you look at Rashi, Rashi's on both sides over here. So if you look at Rashi on the right side, it's the last two words. Michrich b'hu. Now, top of the left side. Nidbak etzlam b'shasha osik patora or mashivan etzlo or muftachu shetagin hatora alav v'lo yazik. I will say this is so beautiful. The Yeshua Levi, he was not afraid to be around people with rasan. In fact, what he would do is he would make sure to remain close to them because he felt confident that his Torah, the merit of his Torah, would protect him from any kind of disease. I will say absolutely amazing, isn't it? 
Yerushalayim was so confident in the power of his Torah, in the protective powers of Torah, that he felt totally confident being around people with Rasa. He said as follows, Amar, Ayeles Ahavim V'yalaschein. Shabbos say the Pasuk over here, the Gemara is writing in Mishlei, is a metaphorical reference to Torah. Torah is Ya'alaschein. Torah ultimately, again, causes chain, causes a certain amount of favor to devolve upon a person. So, so first of all, this same about Torah is when a person learns Torah, when a person learns Torah, just the act of learning Torah fundamentally changes who you are. It changes me as an individual. And how does it change me? It endows me with a sense of chain, with a sense of favor. And that's both internally and externally. When we engage, we'll say part, part of the concept of kviyas itin, of setting aside time to learn Torah each and every day. It's not about acquiring knowledge. I will say in general, learning Torah is not about the acquisition of knowledge. The acquisition of knowledge is a byproduct of learning Torah. The reason I learn Torah is because Torah refines me as a human being. It makes me a better person. I remember, I don't remember, I understand, I don't understand. The act of engaging in Talmud Torah, by definition, has refining qualities. That's what it means when it says, So Torah gives me this favor, this chen, changes me as a person. I will say, which is so incredibly important because sometimes when we learn like, and we don't retain, we become so frustrated. Especially, again, we experience this often in Dafyomi. Right? They try to recall what happened yesterday, what happened yesterday. Like, I, don't, I don't know. It's like a blur. It's like a blur. It's like a, like a Torah tsunami hit me. Like, I don't even know what happened. Say, but it's okay. It's obviously, I should try to retain also. But we might say, the act of learning refines me, which I will say tells me something else. That if the act of Torah doesn't, if learning Torah doesn't refine me, I have to look at then how I'm learning. Maybe I'm not learning in the right way. Right? Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. Maybe I'm not present enough. Whatever it might be. If it doesn't change me, if it doesn't change me, I have to look at the process. So Rabbi, so Rabbi Shulman Levi said like this. He said, If Torah endows a person with chen, with favor, then certainly it can protect me from Ra'asun as well. Therefore, Rabbi Shulman Levi felt totally protected against the effects of Ra'asun when he, as a result of the Torah, he was learning. So I say, that's the end of the Ra'asun Sugya. That's it. And I will say, now what I do want to point out is, there is a very important lesson not to be learned from this Gemara, which is obviously we don't place ourselves in Makom Sakana. We do not place ourselves in dangerous situations with the expectation that our Torah is going to protect us. Torah does protect. Torah absolutely protects. But you don't go out, put yourself in a compromised situation with the expectation that Torah will protect. What we're going to see is that Yeshua ben Levi was a different kind of person. Now we'll say, watch the Gemara now. Now we'll say, get ready for this Gemara. Now Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is about to die. He's about to die. Amr le l'malach ha-mavis, zil avadeh ruseh. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded the malach ha-mavis, go to Rabbi Shubham Levi, and do whatever he wants. All right, he's going to die, he's going to die. Say shalom aleichem, to him introduce yourself, you're about to take his neshama. Do whatever he wants. Azul is chazile, malach ha-mavis, appears to Rabbi Shubham Levi. Amr le, ikhvi li duchtoi. So we'll say, watch this. Rabbi Shubham Levi says, I have one request. What's the request? Before I die, before I die, I want you to take me to Gan Eden and show me my place in Gan Eden. Right? I don't, I don't want to take it. What is it? Sight unsold? Sight? How does it? Seen, 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 seen what? Sight unseen. Sight unseen. Good. Hey, I don't want to take it sight unseen. 
right? Take me, take me to Gan Eden, take me to Gan Eden. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see my portion. Okay. So I says this. Amr le lechayim. So what does the man lechamavah say? Lechayim lechayim means okay. After all, he was commanded to Amr le. Havli sakinach. So I say we should believe he says the man lechamavah. Give me your knife. Give me your Apparently, the Malach HaMavah is supposed to say, this is not like a Grim Reaper knife, right? In other words, that apparently the Malach HaMavah says a knife. That's the knife, so to speak, not literal, but that's the knife that he uses to take the Neshamas. So Dilma, Mivas Liba Archa. Because Rabbi Shalom Levi says, I'm afraid that what's going to happen? Maybe you're going to scare me in the journey. You're going to scare me in the journey, and I'm going to die along the way. So what Rabbi Shalom Levi is saying to the Malach HaMavah is, give me your power to take life. So number one, take me to Kanedan. I want to see while I'm alive, I want to see, I want to see my portion, and give me your knife, give over to me your power to take life, so that you don't accidentally take my life over the course of the process. So you have Nehele. Ultimately, again, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, so Machmavis complies. Kimatulahasam, so I'll say they get to Ganeiden. They get to Ganeiden. Listen to this. Dailei, Kamachvilei. So I'll say, so what happened? So apparently, Ganeiden is a gated community. Right, it's a gated community. So, so what happened? So what happened? So the Malach HaMavis lifts Rabbi Yeshua up over the wall so that he could look into Gan Eden and see his portion. So what happened? So what did Rabbi Yeshua Levi do? Shavar nafalahu gisa. So Rabbi Yeshua Levi made a run for it. He jumped the wall. He jumped the wall and he made a run for Gan Eden. I both say, what Rabbi Yeshua Levi is looking to accomplish is entry into Gan Eden without going through the process of death. Death itself, death itself, is a quote-unquote difficult experience for the neshama. There's a tr- there's a transition. There's a transition between this world and the next. There's a, sometimes a waiting period with entry into Gan Eden for whatever the reason. Yeshua Levi decides he wants Gan Eden. He wants Gan Eden, but he wants it without the process of death. Without the process of death. So the Gemara says as follows: Dovi Rufua Shalema. So good, Baruch Hashem. Welcome back. Welcome back. Baruch Rofei So the Gemara says as follows. So he makes a run for it. He makes a run for it now, and he decides to go ahead. He's, that's it. He's going. So what, so what happened? So this is incredible. So the Gemara says, Not de So it happens to be that the Malach HaMavas had grabbed the hold of a corner of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's cloak. Grabbed the hold of it. Amrlei b'shvuasa d'lasim. Rabbi ben Levi says, I swear by God, I'm not coming back. Rishulah says, I'm not going back. I'm staying here. I'm staying in Gan Eden. So just, I want to point out, again, this is going to have to be one of these Gemara's that we come back to. Because I'll say, this is like a, this is, what is unfolding over here is something absolutely, absolutely dramatic. Absolutely dramatic. But I will say, again, I just want to point out just like on a basic level, on a basic level, what the Gemara is also highlighting to us is sometimes in life, if you see something you want, you have to make a run for it. In other words, you have to jump the wall and you have to run. Because at the end of the day, great things in life don't come to you. Accomplishment in life doesn't come to you. And accomplishment often comes with only after some level of really pushing yourself, self-sacrifice and exertion. Rabbi Yeshua Ba'alevi sees in front of him Gan Eden. And what does he do? What does he do? He makes a run for it. And I say, even when you make a run for it and you jump the wall, you scale the wall of accomplishment, what happens? There's always something holding you back. Here it happens to your Levi. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? Little detail. The Malach Hamavas. 
Like the Malachalach, whenever you want to accomplish something, there's always something holding onto your cloak and pulling you back. That's just the way that it works. But Rabbi Shuvan Levi says, I swear, I'm not coming back. You will say, why? Because when you want to accomplish something in life and you make a run for it and you start going and something's holding you back all too often in life, what happens? What happens? Something's holding us back. Let's be honest. The moment something holds me back, what do I usually do? I give up. I give up. What does Rabbi Shuvan Levi do? I swear I'm not going back. I swear I'm not going back. Redoubling my efforts, a rededication to this process. I am not going back. I will accomplish. What does the Kaddish Baruch Hu say? So this is the Amr Kuchibrichu. So what does the Kaddish Baruch Hu say? Well, let's look at Rabbi Yishuv and Levi's life. If Rabbi Yishuv and Levi never made an oath that he did not comply with, in other words, if Rabbi Yishuv and Levi was always a man of his word. Whenever he swore something, he upheld his word. Then I'll let him uphold this oath also. If he didn't uphold his word then I'm not going to let him uphold this oath. In other words, he swore I'm not coming back. Okay, so let's look at life. When you swore to do things throughout your life, did you do them or didn't you do them? If you kept, if you were a man of your word, I'll let you stay. If you weren't a man of your word, you have to come back. And I will say ultimately again, so again, the Gemara doesn't say it explicitly, but Rabbi Yoshua was a man of his word. See, Rabbi said, when you honor your commitments, if you say I'm going to accomplish and you don't back down and you go, then what happens? You have siyata dishmaya you have incredible divine providence to help you accomplish the things you need to accomplish. If you talk a lot about what you're going to do, but I never actually do it, Kavich Baruch Hu says, if I'm all talk and no action, I don't have siyata dishmayo. I don't have divine assistance. So I will say, this is what's happening in the story. Rabbi Yeshua Ben-Levi wants to see his portioning on Aden. That portioning on Aden representing life accomplishment. I want to accomplish something in life. Great. I get to, I get to my accomplishment. What is there? There's a wall. There's a wall. So what happens? You could get a little bit of help scaling the wall, but then you have to make a decision to jump. You have to make a decision to go, a decision to exert yourself. It was going to be jumps. He runs to accomplishment. As soon as he runs, what happens? Something pulls him back. Because that's what happens when you see your gun Aiden in sight. Something always pulls you back. What happens when you pull back? Tempting, give up. It was going to says, I'm not giving up. He swears, I'm staying. So let's say now I need to see this when do you get Siyatid Shmaya? If you are a man of your word. Right? If you make commitments and you follow through on those commitments, Mish Baruch Hu says, okay, you're committed to your success, I'll be committed to your success as well. I'm Rabbi Havli Sakinai. So I'm saying, listen to this. So Rabbi Levi now is staying in Gan Eden. Rabbi Yashobin Levi is given permission to enter into Gan Eden without ever having died. Without ever having gone through the process of dying. That's the problem. He has the knife of the Malach HaMavas. Malachim says, fine, you're staying in Ganadin, give me back my knife. So I'll say, this is interesting. Rabbi Shalom Levi did not want to give back the Malachim knife. He didn't want to give it back. Nafka Baskala Baskal came out to Amrle Hab Nehile. The mitva'ah libriyasa. So the Baskal came out. I will say, it's like, uh, you know, Malachim says, give it back. Rabbi Shalom says, no, Malachim says, give it back. And what happens? The Baskal, right? The father, right? The father comes out and says, Give it back, right? Give it back. Why? Because the Malach HaMavas needs this for the rest of creation. Because there was what the Gemara is highlighting over here is death. Death is part of the very fabric of life. Right? So ultimately, the Malach HaMavas needs his knife back. Machris Elio Kameh. So we'll say, so now, that's, the, that's part A of the story. Part A of the story. That Yeshua ben Levi is granted entry. Entry. And ultimately, again, the ability to live in Gan Eden despite the fact of never having died. 
he entered into Gan Eden living. Machris Elio Kame, so we'll say Elio announces in front of Brevishova Levi, Pinu Makum Labali Boy, Pinu Makum Labali Boy. Make space for Bali Boy. We'll say Bali Boy is Ben Levi, Rabbi Shovan Levi. Make space for Rabbi Shovan Levi, makes it Rabbi Shovan Levi. Azal Ashke Cheder Bishem Bayochai, Dabi Yosef Atlas Aser Tachtaki Fisa. So we'll say Rabbi Shovan Levi finds, who does he, who does he bump into? He finds Rashbi. He goes, like, Can you imagine? This is Gan Eden. This is Gan Eden. He comes and he finds, he's from Shabbai Rabbi Yochai. is sitting on 13 chairs of fine gold. Okay, well, obviously, whatever this means. So Rabbi Yochai says, Is it true that you're Rabbi Yochai? So Rabbi Yochai says, Yeah, I am. So Rabbi Yochai says, Tell me. Was there ever a rainbow? Did you ever see a rainbow during your lifetime? They both said, I understand the rainbow. The rainbow, of course, is a sign, as beautiful as it is, is a sign of divine displeasure, right? Because remember, again, the rainbow, the rainbow represents the covenant that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has with humanity not to destroy the world. So the, so the rainbow comes out when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is tempted to destroy the world, but, but withholds from doing, abstains from doing so because of the covenant, the rainbow comes out. We have a Masorah, that in a generation where there is an outstanding tzaddik, you'll never see a rainbow. You'll never see a rainbow because the schus of the tzaddik goes ahead and upholds the generation or protects the generation. So Rashbi asks Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, tell me, was there ever a rainbow in your time? So Amr Lehein, he said, yes, there was. Rashbi says, if that's the case, then you're not Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Because I know for a fact that Rabbi Yoshua and Levi's generation, there was never a rainbow. Velohi, the Imar says, what's going on over here? The Lohavi Midi, Elisavar Lo Ischazik Tivusel Lanafshoi. It was in reality, there was never a rainbow during the days of Rabbi Yoshua and Levi. That's how great this chus was. But he felt awkward answering the question because he felt if he would have said there was no rainbow, that would have been like him taking credit for himself. And in his humility, he did not feel that that was appropriate. Which I will say, by the way, something very interesting, because what you see from this Gemara is that perhaps it is permitted to go ahead and change the truth to preserve, out of humility, out of humility, that if one is asked the question whose answer, true answer, could be perceived as a display of arrogance, perhaps one is permitted to go ahead and temper the answer a little bit or alter the answer a little bit out of reasons for humility. Rabbi Hanida Bar Papa. So I'll say, so that, that's the end of the Rabbi Yoshua Levi story. So I'll say, so much more to say about it, but dramatic nevertheless. Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa, Shoshvine Hava. So I'll say, listen to this. This is so interesting. Rabbi, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa, Shoshvine. Rashi says, Shoshvine is Ohavo, the Ragil Etz He was best friends with the Malach Hamalas. Best friends, right? Not acquaintances, not hey, what's up, not we hang out, right? Shoshvine, Shoshvine. And again, again, Ohavo, they loved each other, Veragil Etzlon, they spent a lot of time. I have no idea how that friendship developed, right? But nevertheless, quite interesting. So I'll say, so what happened? Here we go. Ki haban kan necha nafsheh, amrali lamalach hamavas, zil avalei ruseh. So same thing, Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa is about to die. And the Kedush Baruch Hu says to Malach Hamavas, go. And do whatever he wants. You know, grant him, grant him, so to speak, whatever his last request is. Well, say, this is beautiful. Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa says, okay, here's my request. 
give me 30 days. Give me 30 days so that I could go ahead and review my learning. I could review my learning. Why I will say, listen to that beautiful Da'amri, because Chazal teach us, I say, what a beautiful, beautiful Gemara. Praiseworthy is the person who comes here and his learning is in his hand. They will say, do you know why it's so important to come to learn every single morning? Do you know why it's so important? Because after 120, when we come to Shem, we come to HaKadosh Baruch, we come to the Beis in Shalmala. So ultimately, again, what are the Malachim going to sing when we arrive? What are they going to sing? They're going to sing, Ashrei Misha Balakan, praiseworthy is the person who comes here. Vitalmudo, Talmudo, his Talmud, his Dafyomi, his learning is Biyado. That this is a person, this was a person, day in and day out, seven days a week, no matter what was happening in life, this was a person who learned Torah. That's what the Malachim sing. When such a person comes to Gan Eden, absolutely incredible. There was a here, Rabbi Hanin Rabbi Papa was understanding it a little bit differently. He was understanding Tamudo Biyado means someone who doesn't just have learning, but what? Has a significant comprehension of that which they have learned. So he said, give me 30 days before I die. I want to go ahead and Chazar, I want to review all of my learning. gave it him. The After 30 days, Malachamavis comes back. So now what does Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa say? Malachamavis, do me a favor. I'd like to see my portion in Olam Haba. I'd like to see my portion in Gan Eden before I die. So Malachamavis says, Sure, no problem. So he says to Malachamavis, give me your knife, because I don't want you to accidentally kill me on the way. So we'll say, listen to this. Amrlei, so, uh, so Rabbi says, get me once, fine. Right, fool me once. Uh, do you think if you don't want to fall for that again, you're going to do to me what your buddy, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, did? I see Sefer Torah. Listen to this. Ultimately, again, so he says to the bring a Sefer Torah. Bring a Sefer Torah. And ultimately, again, show me, is there anything in this Sefer that I have not performed? So it's interesting, it's a little bit of machlokis here, exactly what Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa was trying to say. Either way, he was saying to the Malach HaMabes, I'm a trustworthy person, and I'm not going to steal your knife, I'm not going to steal your knife. Or ultimately, again, he's preparing himself for entry into Gan Eden. And he says to the Malach HaMabes, I'm curious to know where I'm holding, bring a Sefer Torah. And you tell me, you're my friend, we're friends, tell me, is there anything in here that I have not fulfilled? Amrlei, mi ichrochis bebaali rason, bisaktava Torah. So it says, interesting. So the Malach says, listen, I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, the one thing you never did is did you ever go become close with Ba'alei Ra'asan, people who had Ra'asan, and allowed the Torah to protect you. So what he was saying, was bringing a, he, he was mentioning what Rabbi Yashur and Levi used to do. So it says, so it's interesting, why does the Malach bring this up, right? First of all, this is not Kasav Ba'Torah. So Rashi understands it over here. If you look, Shemesakim b'nafsho l'chabit es ha-Torah. When Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, I will say, let's go back for just a moment. When Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi would go ahead and, and come close to people with Ra'asan, right? Put himself in the same proximity and rely on the greatness of Torah to protect him. But why did Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi do that? So the Malachim of Islam says, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi was doing it to enhance Kavara Torah, to show people that Torah not only changes you as a person, but it protects you. 
It protects you. He was trying to show people the power of Torah. He sees you at the Malach HaMavis, the same Rabbi Shobin, Rabbi Hanina, Bar Papa, is yet you led a great life. But did you ever show other people the greatness of Torah like Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi did? Which is incredible, Rabbi Osai. In other words, that it's not enough in life to do the right thing. I have to become an ambassador of Torah as well. And in that capacity as an ambassador of Torah, I show others the greatness of Torah as well. It's so profound. So bottom line is, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa gets to see his portion but doesn't get to stay. He comes back down. He comes back down. Now he comes back to this world, he dies. He dies. When he died, Rabbi said, this is incredible. There was a pillar of fire. There was a pillar of fire that ultimately, again, prevented anyone from coming close to his funeral beer. And we have a Masora that Rabbi said, this fire, this fire only comes down for a unique person once or twice a generation. So, so ultimately, Rabbi Alexandri tried to get close to the funeral beer. Because we'll say, now here was the problem. As incredible as it was, there was, was that there was a fire surrounding the, the coffin, the casket of Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa. What was the problem? They couldn't bury him. They couldn't bury him because there was a fire surrounding him. So Amar Lo So he said so he said to the fire, so he said, right? Stop the fire in the cover of the Chachamim. Fire didn't stop. Do it in the merit of your father. Again, Rabbi Chalina Bar Papa, do it in honor of your own cover. We can't bury you unless the fire abates. Istalik. Ultimately, again, the fire stopped. Why did the fire come? What's the point of the fire? So first of all, the fire itself just seems to be a display of covet. The Gemara says there's another reason that people who are unlearned should not come close to the casket. Right? That the idea was he was such a great Tamut Chacham that unlearned people shouldn't come close to the casket. This is said to him, right, said to him, like to exclude someone like you, who even though he was a Tamut Chacham, right, the Ba'i was Tamut Chacham, he said, Abaye, you don't have a fence on your roof. Rabbi said, there's a halacha that says you're supposed to have a fence on your roof. So Ravad Rabbi says, Abai, forget about unlearned people. Look at you. You don't have a fence on your roof. Right? The Torah says you're supposed to put a fence on your roof. So the Gemara says, Velohi, this wasn't true. Mihava hava. Abai did have a fence. Ultimately, again, in that moment, it happened to be a wind blew down Abai's fence. Right? We'll say, so again, there's so much to say on this, but we haven't even gotten to today's daf yet. We'll say, so, so, so again, I just, I just want to point out, I just want to point out, like, like these exchanges are so profound. They're not just here happens, but again, we'll have to save it. We'll say, why? It's interesting. Ra'asan apparently doesn't occur in Babel. Doesn't occur in Babel. Why not? And they go ahead and they drink beer that's made from... Shrubs with thorns. Why is it not They go ahead and they drink beer. And they bathe in the Euphrates. So ultimately, again, it seems to be the Gemara attributed certain health qualities to their diet in Babel. Beautiful. Hadrun Allah, Hamadir, Sitch Rabosai, Mazel Tov.
Today's daf is Ayin Ches, right? Seven days. So let's say, see what he goes. Says the Mishnah. It's okay, it's short. Ha'isha shnafal anachasim, achlotis are. So let's say, listen to this. Now, this is really actually a fascinating sugya. We're going to discuss now about a woman's ability to sell off property. So we'll say, so very quickly, we know that there are two different types of property that a woman brings into marriage. There's what's called nichseit son barzel, nichseimolog. Nichseit son barzel, nichseit son barzel, ultimately, again, is property that she owns that is valued, it's appraised, and the appraisal is written into the ksuva, and the husband uh, uh, um, guarantees that appraised amount. In the event of death or divorce, she's paid out if the property is there and it's still worth the same thing, fine, otherwise she's paid out the same amount. And then there's nichseimolog. Nichseimolog is not included in the ksuva. It's property that the woman holds, that the woman owns. Ultimately, again, the husband gets to use peros. Right, he gets peros of everything. He gets to use peros. Here we go. Ha'isha shnaflo nechasim achlo tisari. Supposed to listen to this. Rachel, Rachel goes ahead and inherits property before Erusim, before she even ever met Shimon. Right, Ruven, excuse me. So she goes in and she inherits property. So modim beishamei beisilal shemocheres v'nosenes v'kayon. Everyone agrees. You all say that's what that Allah says she has the right to buy and sell that property as she pleases. Now, obviously, what we're talking about over here is in marriage. She inherited it before she got married, right? Once she gets married, she has the ability to go ahead and buy it, and, so, excuse me, sell it or give it away as she pleases. So the says, Nafla mission is arsa. What happens if she inherits property once Erisin occurs? After Erisin, so now, right, right, right? So after Erisin, what's the halacha? Beishamai on Timgar. Beishamai says she has the right to go ahead and sell it. Now, I will say sell it when? During Erisin, as Rashi points out, so she inherits it what, during Erisin. She has the ability to sell it during Erisin. says, no, you can't sell it. You can't sell it. However, even Beisilah who says that during Erisin she shouldn't sell it, agrees that what? Agrees that what? If you did sell it, then what? It works. It works. Sell, sell is valid. Good. So Rabbi Huda says, the I don't understand. So we'll say, so listen to this. It doesn't make sense. In other words, we'll say, during Erisin, once Erisin occurs, Reuven, so to speak, has already, quote unquote, acquired Rachel. If he's acquired her, doesn't he acquire her property as well? And if he's acquired her property, then what? Rabbi say, then what? Then what? She should not be permitted to sell it. And if she does sell it, the sale shall be void. So Amr Lahem, so listen to this. So Rabbi Gamil responded, Alachadoshim Anuboshim. Now listen to this. Rabbi Gamil essentially says like this I don't understand why a woman can't sell property during Nisuin. Right? Rabbi Gamil says, Listen, she owns the title of the property. So during Nisuin, I think she should be able. That's what it means, Alachadoshim. On this new ruling, Rashi says, Shenaftulam Yishanises. Right? On this new ruling, on property that she acquires during Nisuin, I don't understand why she can't sell. Anu Boshim, we are embarrassed. Rashi says over Anu Boshim, Ma ra'ucha chamim lomar imachra v'nasna haba motzmiyal al-kuchos. So we're going to see in just a moment that if she sells property during Nisuin, there's an opinion that says that the husband could extract the property from the purchaser. So Mamil says, I don't understand that. Because I think even during Nisuin, she should be able to sell the property. It's her property. So Allah chadoshim anu Boshim. You're asking me about Erisin? So I'll say, Sir Abigail, I said, talking to the wrong guy. 
Because I think even during Nisuin, she should be able to sell, certainly during Erisin. Okay, so what's going on? Let's go right there. Nafalo Mishini says, if she inherited property during Nisuin, Eiluvi Eilu Modim, both Beisham Eisel agree, Shemach Rabinosna, that if she went ahead and she sold the property or she gifted it away, Shabal Motsi Miyat Halakuchos, that the husband has the ability to extract the property from the Lakuchos, ultimately again from purchasers. So the Gemara says, Achelonises Vinises. What happens if she acquired the property before Nisuin and then she had Nisuin and she sold off the property? Rabbi Gamil Omer, Imachra Vinasna Kayim. Rabbi Gamil says, if she sold it, it works. It works. So Akavia, sorry, Rabbi Hanina ben Akavia said, Amulfan Rabbi Gamil. They said before Rabbi Gamil, Hoel Vizacha be Ishalo Yiske ben Chasim. Rabbi Gamil, how could that be? Once a husband acquires his wife, doesn't he automatically acquire her property? So how could she sell off anything after Nisuin? So Amr Lahem, again, Rabbi Gamil says, Alachadashim Anuboshim. So again, Rabbi Gamil says, I don't understand. I think even during Nisuin itself, ultimately again, even property that she acquired during Nisuin itself could be sold off by her, something that she acquired before Nisuin you're asking me about, to which the Gemara says as follows. Rabbi Shimon Cholek, Bein Nechassim, Rabbi Shimon Cholek, Bein Nechassim, Lenechassim. So I'm sorry. Rabbi Shimon Cholik, Rabbi Shimon says there's a difference between different types of properties. He says nechasim hayiduin labal lo timkar any property that is known by the husband. The husband knows about she should not sell. V'machra v'nasna bottle. And again, if he knows about it and she sold it or gifted it away anyway, ultimately the transaction is void. She'inon yodin labal. But if there's property that the husband does not know about, ultimately lo timkar. Ultimately, again, she should not sell it. And ultimately, again, if she does sell it, if she does sell it, right? She shouldn't sell it. But if she does sell it, it works. Good. So we'll say that's the Gemara. So just to point out, we have, a, we have a couple of different cases. Case number one, case one in the Mishnah, again, a quick Chazara. Case one in the Mishnah was what? She is acquiring property before Arison. She acquires property before Arison. Everyone agrees that what? She can do whatever she wants. Okay? Case one. Case two, case two, she acquires property during Arison and wants not to sell during Arison. What happens there? Beishamai says, sell. Beishilal says, don't sell. But everyone agrees that what? That if she did sell, ultimately again, it works. It works. Okay, so that's, they introduced Rabbi Gamil over here, fine. Third case, she acquires property during Nisuin. During Nisuin, everyone agrees that what? That if she sells it, halacha lamaisa, Husband could extract the property from, from the purchasers. Ultimately, again, if she acquires something before Nisuin, and then ultimately does Nisuin and sells it off, Rabbi Gamil says, if she did it, ultimately the transaction stands. Good. It says a lot more, but that, those are the court cases. Says the Gemara. So we'll say, why is it in the first case? Remember again, what was the first case? First case was she acquires property when? Before Arison. Before Arison, and ultimately sells it off, sells it off, which sells it off when? When is, she, when is she selling it off? When is she selling it off? During Arison, right? So in that case, Beisham Beisil will agree that it's fine. Transaction works. That's the Reisha. So I'll say, so the Gemara says, why is the Reisha that ultimately, again, no one argues, but in the Seifa? Now what's the Seifa? The Seifa in this case is she inherits property during Arison and sells it. In that case, what's Talacha? 
Beis Shammai says you could sell it, it's okay. Beis Hillel says you should not sell it. So why, why do they agree in the Reisha, not agree in the Seifa? It's very simple. Both say in the Reisha case, when did she acquire the property? When did she acquire it? When, before Erison. Before Erison, it's totally hers. There's no other claim on it. The Seifa, after Erison, she already is, quote unquote, you know, acquired by her husband. If she's acquired by her husband, then Lamaisa, again, he has a schus in that property. He has a schus in that property, to which the Gemara says, Im nafla, ki If that's the case of us, remember again, what's, what's that look in the Seifa? Right? So she acquires the property during Erisin, right, and sells it off, and sells it off. So there, Beishamai says it's okay. Beishel says she shouldn't sell it. Now we're saying, why does Beishel say she shouldn't say it? Because her husband has a schus in that property. Well, if her husband has a schus in the property, both say, then what should be the status of the sale of the gift? What should be the status of the sale of the gift? Void. Because that was when, but yet, what's ta'alacha? Even Beis Hillel agrees that b'dyevet, it works. To which the Yomar says, Reisha, v'adai b'schus naflo. We'll say the Reisha, it's all hers. It's all hers. Seifa, emar b'schusa, emar b'schuso. So you'll say, here's the real issue. The real issue is, there's a lack of clarity as to the status of property during Erisin, right? On one hand, it's hers. On one hand, it's his. Therefore, lechatchila we say she should not sell it. But the evid, if she did sell it, ultimately the sale stands. Good. I'm Rabbi Huda. I'm not saying Gamliel. You buy the So I said now again. Remember, Rabbi Huda comes before Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Yehuda comes before Rabbi Gamliel, right? And this is in the this is in the first part of the Mishnah. So I'll say this this was after this was after. This is after the case of Erison, right? So we have the case of Erison. She, she, she inherits property. She inherits property during Erison. Sells it off during Erison. Beishamai says, "Okay." Beisel says, "No, don't sell it." But everyone agrees that Bidi Eved, if she did it, the sale works. Rabbi Huda comes before, right? Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda says that the Chachamim said before Rabbi Gamliel that I don't understand why this works. Why should such a sale work? Since the husband acquires his wife, he should also what? Acquire all of her property, which means that even Bidi Eved, even, well, well, sounds like even Bidi Eved, the sale should be void. So now the Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda, Ibaylo, Rabbi Yehuda, Lechatchila, O Adi Eved. Rabbi Yehuda is Rabbi Yehuda arguing Lechatchila or even Bidi Eved. Look at Rashi, very quickly, Rashi, Lechatchila, Pligi Va'amri, Amay Mocheres Lechatchila Beishamai, Hoyel Vezacha Beisha Sheir Salo Yiska Benechasa, Ava Bidi Eved Modi Kibesilo. So Rabbi says, Rabbi Yehuda is saying, I don't understand. Why does Beishamai allow a Lechatchila sale? Is that what Rabbi Yehuda is arguing on? Oh, so I'll say, what is Rabbi Huda coming along to say? Is he coming to say, I don't understand why Beishamai Lechatchila allows such a sale during Erusin? Is that what he's arguing on? But he agrees that Bidiyeved the sale works. Or is he saying, no, he's arguing on Beishila. I don't understand Bidiyeved, why should such a sale work at all? That's what he's asking. So Tashma, Amad Beis, Tashma, Desanya, Am Rabbi Huda, Am Rabbi Gamliel, so let's remember again, what does Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda says like this, since ultimately again, since Hawil Vazu Ishto Vazu Ishto, right? Remember this later on in the Mishnah, right? Since, since this is his wife, Vazu Machrabatal, Avzu Machrabatal, if the ultimately, if the sale is going to be void during Nisuin, so the sale should be void during Erisin as well. Our Rabbi Gamliel says, Allah Hadashim Anuboshim. So Rabbi Gamil said, I don't understand the first halacha by Erisin. 
Now you're coming to introduce a new halacha by Nisuin. Shmamina di Eved Ka'amar Shmamina. See from here that what? That Rabbi Yehuda is really arguing ultimately again, not on Bishamai, but he's arguing on the Bidi Eved of Beis Hillel. Incredible. So Yomar says this as This is not how Rabbi Gamliel answered the Chachamim. Right? And this is how he responded. So the Yomar says, So we'll say, listen to this. So comes along Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel says, listen guys, I, I could come around to the case of Nisuin. Right? I could come around to the idea that during Nisuin, if a woman goes ahead and sells off her property, that such a sale should be void. I could wrap my head around that. Why? Because during Nisuin, a husband has heightened rights within his wife. Namely, the Mitzvah, if she finds something, the Mitzvah, with her earnings, how far is that he could annul her vows. So again, so I can understand then in that case, why during Erisin, if she goes ahead and sells off property, he could void the sale. But by Erisin, a husband has none of these rights. So just like a husband has none of these rights, he shouldn't have a right to block a property sale as well. We'll have to stop over here for today. I'll say so again. Don't worry, we're we're on track. We're on track in Mirza Hashem. We'll be fine. It's a short half. Uh, sometime, sometime Mirza Hashem. I'll say again. You have to admit the first part of the daf was too good, too good to go. Really, we'll stop. Also, just a reminder: Michael Leibowitz is sitting shiva right across the street. They had a little bit of difficulty getting a minion yesterday. They start slichos in just a few moments from now. They start again. It's short and slichos. Not that that's uh, to entice anyone. Right? Short and slichas because uh, of a base of hell. So they start the start chakras at the same time, 6.45 as well. All right, was a shkoyach.